0: Could go all night. Hello, and welcome to the Joplin Tollcast. My name is Jarell, and I'm happy to introduce July's artist interview with local artist Taylor Kupachek. Taylor and host Mark Nineswander talk about both local and general culture, how the culture affects our creative work, and how our creativity, in turn, can affect the culture. They also touch on Taylor's personal journey and topics such as the Joplin Scott scene in the 90s, what's next for Joplin. And how Taylor's first painted typewriter was inspired by sounds from his musical endeavors. And here they are. Taylor and Mark. Take it away, guys.
1: Hello there. Welcome to the Joplin Toad. We are back for issue two. I'm very excited. Issue one was a big success, we think. You tell us. But I'm here today with yet another artist. Believe it or not, Joplin has more than one. Actually, we have quite a few. Uh... My guest today is Mr. Taylor Kubicek. Hi Taylor. Hi. How you doing? Okay. A little hot. Yeah, it's a little toasty. It is. So, we're up in Taylor's studio, which at the moment does not have air conditioning. It's but true. there is a nice main street breeze blowing in. And it's It's very pleasant, very summery throwing some seals and croft to go in the background here. (laughs) (laughs) So Taylor, some people in town know who you are. Some people do not. The man, the mystery. Uh, Let's go back a little bit and uh, just tell us, tell us about uh, a little bit about your past, a little bit about um, your, your history with Joplin. Did you start out here? Um, you are, you're an artist now. Um, for those that don't know, Taylor is a painter, uh, who does a lot of amazing stuff and just like to talk a little bit about how you got to the point you're at, both in the community and in your life in general.
2: How far back in the past are we talking?
1: (laughs) Um, let's not go any further back than like your great grandparents. I think that would be irrelevant, but. Oh my God.
2: (laughs) That's way, way, way back.
1: (laughs) Really, man, you can jump in wherever you want. If you have relevant childhood stories, we'll hear them. And if you just want to go straight to young adult Taylor, we can do that.
2: Um, I don't know. Um, you know, in junior high, I used to hang around downtown Joplin quite a bit after yeah? uh after school. Me and my friends would be waiting on our rides or whatever, and we'd be uh sort of just bopping around downtown. Nice. Uh, yeah, it's been kind of fun to see the development of downtown um in the last gosh 20 years
1: yeah it's um, we're old 20 25 years so you're a you're pretty much a lifetime resident uh post third grade yeah I'm a okay. transplant but cool where where are you from before that moved here from
2: California uh born in Iowa
1: okay oh the mystic lands of Iowa
2: yes. <laughs> The Great White North.
1: Oh, man. That's awesome. So, so, really quick, what what was Main Street like back then? Uh, I grew up near Joplin, but I didn't hang out like in downtown Joplin. I would just come up with my parents once a month or so. Like, what what was it like back then? Um,
2: You know, there were a few hangouts. There were, uh, at that point in time, there was a little all-ages coffee shop. Um, which is now a coffee shop, I believe <laughs> it's a shop Avenue coffee shop, but it was originally called the grind uh. and it was a, all I do is coffee shop slash music venue. And you used to have a lot of punk shows there. It was uh really, yeah, it was, it was great. Uh, on the weekends, you know, we'd go there and see different ska bands or punk bands ah. and, and after school, you could go there and you play pinball or just like hang around on the couch and
1: that's super try fun. not to be
2: a delinquent um, if anyone was
1: trying to figure out Taylor's age Scott music just just did the trick yeah hey man
2: <laughs> still relevant um, <laughs> always there was another coffee shop uh where the red onion is now that was mm-hmm. called the the java house um, played a lot of chess there hung out um the Joplin Public Library was an awesome hangout. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) The YMCA. There was uh, Changing Hands. Mm. And then there was another little store over on the corner of 2nd and Main by the alley called Games and Stuff.
1: Man, why don't we come up with good names like that anymore?
2: The owner of Games and Stuff was awesome. He would hand you a Rubik's Cube when you came in and say, mess with this. So you'd mess with this Rubik's Cube for like 20 minutes while your friends were buying Magic the Gathering cards or whatever. And, mm-hmm. and they'd hand it to him when you left. And he would oil this thing till he could spin it. And he was a master at it. And he would have it fixed in like, you know, nothing flat.
1: <laughs> That's awesome. And he
2: had, a, he had a computer where he wrote a uh, algorithm to uh, solve Rubik's Cubes. Are you serious? Yeah. Just sitting in the back. It was back in the, you know, <laughs> mid-90s. <laughs> So,
1: at the point that everyone else was like bored with Rubik's Cubes,
2: yeah, and then of course you had Spyba, but no one young really went to Spyba back then. Hmm. Um,
1: they didn't have like the classes and stuff they have now. No, for... there were
2: no real artistic outlets for youth or uh people under the age of 30, I'd say, back then, wow. other than music. Music was the most popular form of artistic uh. Uh, expression for younger people in Joplin Joplin was
1: a ska town
2: punk punk town ska town yeah
1: Hmm. would have been an interesting time like the uh, the punk changing hands over to ska (laughs) yeah
2: well there was even a few other venues that I didn't mention but um, yeah Hmm. some of them predated me
1: that's cool so back to you personally uh, junior high, doing your ska thing, hanging out at the library. <laughs> <laughs> What's young Taylor like? Were you Were you creating anything at the time?
3: Uh,
2: I'd say I was always a pretty creative kid. Um, I was always interested in um, playing music or drawing or just uh, you know, it's all about learning. Really, creativity is all about learning. Sure. And um, for me, I'm I'm always interested in learning new things and trying new things. So, um, I I'd say I was pretty
1: well rounded in that in that sense. Mm. Around that time was when I wanted to start a Christian rock band. Also, very well rounded. What would you call it? I wish I could remember ah. games and stuff. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't a ska band, but I did listen to a lot of the Insiders with a Z cool so so yeah cool so um did you know back then that you wanted to do something creative or what what were you thinking career wise <laughs> junior high high school
2: <laughs> probably wasn't at all actually <laughs> to be honest
1: yeah.
2: um no i i wasn't i had no clue to be honest mm. um i mean i didn't either yeah i don't think kids at that age should Maybe they should. Depends on the kid.
1: Yeah, it does.
2: Um, uh, I'd say artistically, uh, my artistic, personal artistic evolution kind of um, started showing up more around my early 20s, Mm. Uh, when I was out on my own a little bit, Um,
1: started playing around with painting. Okay.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So you got started with that pretty pretty early.
2: Yeah, I'd say around twenty twenty one.
1: Okay. Were you painting the same kind of stuff back then as you are now? Uh,
2: mostly no, <laughs> uh, and then somewhat yes. Yeah, I, hmm. I I would say it's it's
1: evolved. Okay. So you've dropped like the nude ska band stuff. <laughs> painting very you, different you can leave Scott out of this um <laughs> I'm gonna my goal is to bring it back around okay. as much as possible
2: well um I recall a rental house that me and a roommate had um back when I was about I think I'd just turned 21 and um I had found this massive stretched canvas in an old apartment building downtown and someone had abandoned it in the basement of this place uh <laughs> A few of them and they were stretched bed sheets is what they were. Oh my gosh. Um I said, hey, I could paint on top of this, you know. Um so I did. I painted over someone's work. <laughs> <laughs> I have no clue whose it was. It was a sort of um Mandala esque abstract stuff that they had on there and I just sort of painted it white and began again. Hmm. Um Probably not using using any uh, technical methods that would be acceptable by, like, an academic, like, in, a, in an academic sense. But, um, I do remember making a large painting of a typewriter when I was about 21. Really? Yes. But it was more of a face <laughs> that looked like a grinning, it was a typewriter that looked like a grinning face almost, but it was very huh. large. Um...
1: That's very interesting, and that's something that, of course, you've come back around to later on. Typewriters yeah. are a big theme for you.
2: Kind of strange. I was also in a band back then, where I. Uh, really?
1: Please, please tell me it was. It was. It wasn't ska, was it?
2: Sorry, that truck just drove by. I didn't hear you. What?
1: <laughs> Hearing the the ambiance of Main Street below yeah. us. Uh, I said it wasn't a ska band, was it?
2: No, no. It was an electronic synthesizer duo.
1: That's amazing.
2: Back in um what year would that have been? Um two thousand two or three. Oh wow. And uh it so was, right during
1: the the uh indie rock yeah sort of we big pop. Were, I would
2: say we uh
1: music movie. There weren't any
2: other synth bands around in Japan at the time. We were two analog synthesizers and a uh computer. That we ran a program through and we'd record it like our... It Passion
1: Pit. It's like five guys with keyboards. Yeah,
2: like. we'd run our guitar <laughs> tracks and our drum tracks under the computer and then we had a drum machine that we'd press play on and some MIDI stuff and samples, no no vocals really. Huh. Uh, we were called Bastille. Ooh. Which I believe they, there is a popular band now called Bastille. But uh,
1: uh, I don't know. Can you sue them or is it too late?
2: Yeah, I don't think I could sue him at this point. Ah, dang it! I I didn't copyright it or anything. So, is it? um... But I was all that to say. We had a song which we sampled heavily, uh, uh, heavily sampled a typewriter. Ah. Um, and we had voiceover by I think it was William S. Burroughs, so it had like sort of like an like a uh, literary theme to this sort of uh, electronic synth
1: track. <laughs> this is very like, this is early 2000s Simon and Garfunkel. This is what they would have been. A little darker. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know. Similar lyrics, man.
2: So, I don't know. I I do think that, you know, the, uh, the arts blend over from genre to genre.
1: Definitely. Yeah. That's interesting. So, basically, if I'm understanding this correctly, like, Almost the um, the sounds of the typewriter put to music gave you some visuals that you then ran with. Like, is that kind oh, of a carryover? For sure. Yeah, it's so interesting. Like a sound inspiring a song, you know, a visual.
2: Well, I'm sure you're like this. You probably listen to music when you're oh constantly editing or are doing ph- photographic work or anything like that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Um. Well, I think that's why it's so fun for me to hear that. It's like, oh, hey, I get that. I totally get that. Um, yeah, one of my favorite movies right now is, uh, is off topic, but the movie Baby Driver, I don't know if you've seen it, but it's a... I did see it. Okay, yeah, a kid that has a playlist for everything. hmm And the way that that movie's made is so incredibly inspired by music. Uh, just fascinating to me. Um, he pretty much geared the entire film around the soundtrack. Right. So there's so many of the the action scenes that are written around the songs that are chosen and mm-hmm. timed to them. And there's gun battles set to tequila, and you know, just all of this. And I, it's not often that you see, you know, uh, music inspire like that. It's almost always the other way around in film. So. You know,
2: a lot of times I hear a song and I'm like, this would be a great intro to a movie. This would be a great action sequence in a movie. Oh, I think like
1: that all the time. I'm like, oh, I know what scene I'd write to this. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so someone had a, a really awesome time making that movie. Oh, yeah. Um,
1: yeah. It was Edgar Wright and he did. Storyline. Storyline, story I
2: didn't really think was that important in that movie, but uh, eh. it achieved that one thing that we're
1: talking about, <laughs> <laughs> in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I mean, it's just. If you just look at that aspect of it, um, yeah. we won't talk about the rest of it, so I don't start throwing things because I do love that movie. But uh, just that. And again, I've never seen anything do that. Um, there's been musicals and things, but seeing an action movie that feels like a rock opera, you know, it's yeah. cool. So back to the typewriters. So you, you uh, sampled a typewriter, and then you painted the typewriter, then what?
2: Yes. And I'm pretty sure that all spawned off of a, a thrift store sale. <laughs> in which I bought a electronic typewriter.
1: Uh-huh. Aha. Did the typewriter become before all this? Or did you like go buy a typewriter after No, I bought sounds? this
2: thing used and like I think a couple of the keys didn't work, but it was fun because it powered on. And I I think I spray painted the whole thing red. Um, I think it was a little Smith Corona or something. And uh, Hmm. I saw it as a, as a a way to, uh, I I don't know. You know, you look at something and you say, okay, what, what else can this be other than what it is? You know, Mm, this this can be sound, this can be visual, this can be a metaphor. Hmm.
1: So what, what are typewriters a metaphor for you, or are they? Because I know you've painted them a lot.
2: I think they're a metaphor for a few things, multiple things. Um, um, they're a metaphor for people. They're they're a beautifully created, crafted machine most of the time. Um, that that can be an instrument for creating more beautiful things. Mm. Um. They're also a representatory of uh, the way things were. Yeah. Be it good or bad, you know, we got to take the good and bad. Sometimes we leave really great things behind for for uh, progressive concepts. When some of that is good, we also, you know, right can throw the baby out with the bathwater.
1: Overcorrecting. Right. So, and I think
2: we've done a lot of that. <laughs>
1: That's just what we do as humans, like, yeah, go true. all the way this way, ah, go all the way back over the other <laughs> way, you know, just like just a careening back and forth over yeah. thousands of years. It's just like our timelines are much more compressed now because there's so much more happening mm-hmm. each decade, you know.
2: Yeah, so true.
1: Like thousands of years ago, it was like, all right, we figured out how to make fire. Uh, I got about a thousand years before anything else happens. Right. <laughs> you know, so now it's like oh, now we have a computer that fits in our hand that has more power than this entire room full of technology did back in the 60s.
2: Has more power than us.
1: Yeah, right. It's like, who knows what's going to happen in another 20 years. It's terrifying.
2: Yeah, it is.
1: So I do want to jump back into that a little bit because that's that's a theme you keep coming back to, not just with typewriters, with other technology. But let's go back to to youngish Taylor. Uh, You're in your 20s. You're in a band, you have uh painted your first typewriter. <laughs> Hanging out with that Among scoundrel it. Sean Conroy, I bet.
2: Among other things. Oh,
1: Sean, yeah. Yeah. Um Yeah. So between between then and now, what happened? What uh were you closer, you feel like, to to being an artist at this point? Um obviously you're always an artist, but like were you closer to like, hey, I could do this you know, I can make money off this. Uh, um, to
2: be honest, it was, it's always been a way of just expression. It's always been a thing that you just do because you, you're compelled to. Yeah. Um, i have always... I can go <coughs> without painting for a certain amount of time, and sometimes I need that time away from painting. But eventually I'm always brought back into it. I need to... Um, and it might not be painting. It might be some other form of creation. Uh, mm mm-hmm. So, I I, I, just think it's something that it's in our nature to do, a lot of us.
1: Yeah. No, I definitely agree. Like, I mean, I think that could vary a lot. I can't, but I can't imagine not creating anything. Like, I just can't even yeah. wrap my head around that, you know? Yeah. yeah. So... Um, but as far as just the practicality of it, like were you thinking about attending an art school or were you, was it still just a hobby? You know, where were you at? Um, no, I've never really liked the term hobby. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'd say the the seriousness with which you treat it, hobby is sort of an insulting word probably. <laughs>
2: with anything really. I mean, you either do something or, oh, I'm quoting Yoda. <laughs> Dang it! <laughs> either do or you do e- not, right? Either do or do not. Yeah, right. Well, it's either you're 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 doing something and you're actually putting all your effort into it, mm-hmm. or uh, what's the point? Well, probably, I mean, it's I guess probably fun. a cultural
1: thing too. We have two genres for art: either hobby or career. I guess. <laughs> like when we're looking at creators, it's like: so are you a, are you a hobbyist or do you make all of your money from this? right <laughs> sort of disregarding like hey there's a lot of in between stages that people are in mm-hmm. you know uh but just yeah culturally I think <laughs> that's a lot of times how we look at it yeah um what was your next what was your next move young Taylor <laughs> how long did the band go
2: that that was like a year maybe okay there you know not, uh, nothing lasts too long when you're young. Um, <laughs> so true. Uh, I bounced around quite a bit. I moved, um, out of Joplin. Um, like a lot of younger people in Joplin felt disenfranchised with the town. Um, mm-hmm. so I'd never move there again, you know? And then where did I go? I think I went to, uh, Indiana, uh, and then, to Columbia, Missouri. Then I ended up Back in Joplin.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: and then I moved. How long were you out of town? That was about a couple years. Okay. I um, ended up back in Joplin. Um, that didn't last again. I ended up uh, in Des Moines, Iowa, and then uh, Lawrence, Kansas, then Portland, Oregon, and back to Kansas. Then I ended up moving back to Joplin, and I've been here ever since. <laughs> so...
1: So everybody has to go through at least and one round no, of I'm getting out of this town but you went through several
2: I went through several um yeah and nothing happened in all those times <laughs> <laughs> no, nothing of importance <laughs> um, we're
1: just we're just glossing over yeah yeah I you know
2: I would say some people have uh, a more clear-cut shot at growing up um I thought mine was uh, a lot more, um, autodidactic. I mm-hmm. had to kind of figure a lot of things out <laughs> for myself, gotcha. you know,
1: um, so yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it's cool that you got to do that. You know, I think, um, speaking specifically about Joplin, but to apply this to, I'm mm-hmm. sure any small town small city oh yeah you know you have to leave you know that doesn't mean you have to stay gone but you have to leave at least for a while so that it's true you know um it's just like faith i suppose there's points where you you have to step back and say you know is this is this my faith is this my parents faith you know yeah do i really do i really believe this you know and then you, if you come back to it it's stronger um I feel like Joplin is that way. Like we've all, you know, I had my, I didn't grow up in Joplin, but I grew up near Joplin. You know, I was like, yeah, sure. I'm, I'm, you know, my wife grew up in Joplin. So we we're like, let's get out of here, you know? Right. And then moved to Springfield and more to do and everything was so much cooler and more developed and all this stuff. And it's mm-hmm. after a while, you know, it's like, we don't like the people here. <laughs> uh, not to disuse you Springfield. You have some really good people. Yeah. So, it's all perspective. But, in general, there is a quality to the people here. That's very difficult to find elsewhere. Yeah. You know, so we, we, that, and we figured out like, Oh, we're home buddies. There's all these cool things to do and we don't do them. So <laughs> might yeah. as well move back. You know, I
2: really think it's just perspective. Yeah. It's, it's where you're coming from. It's not where, um, where your surrounding is coming from. It's not where everybody else is coming from. It's where you're coming from and what your approach is. Uh, I truly believe that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm sure this happens all over the country where, you know, oh. gotta get out of here, it's so stupid, you know. And then sure. Well. People grow up and get married and start businesses and get burnt out and then hit this point where it's like, mm-hmm. oh man, I miss that town, you know. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. So, I assume somewhere in there you got married. I did. Uh, <laughs> I assume because you're you're married. I am married. Um. Yep. I uh, got married and-
2: uh, a year after I moved back to Joplin, actually. So ah. Yeah. Been married for over ten years now. Dang. Yeah.
1: It's awesome. So what's your what's your lady like? Is she also uh artistic or is she is it an opposites attract sort of thing? Yeah, no, it's it's she's not really artistic. Um that wasn't what attracted
2: me to her anyways, but <laughs> um she's uh I don't really know what I would do without her to be honest. She's pretty Uh oh. <laughs> well um He loves you, Lindsay. She does. She's very supportive of me and um Yeah.
1: That's awesome, man. I, I don't
2: I, I I definitely think that she was put into my life for a reason. Mm. So
1: Well, I feel the same about mine, so I get it. Yeah. That's awesome. Okay. So uh you're older you're married sticking around joplin mhm uh you are and i remember i i met you around this time where you're making art off and on you know um what you know what led to the jump where you started creating more often um and where you thought about like hey maybe
2: yeah well i i um i went back to school um after you know, we had kids and stuff, and and I had started going to college years before, and I was had all these credits. I said, I gotta, get, I gotta get these taken care of. So I went back to school, and I was like, Well, why don't I go into the? Uh, I think I went to the the school of like engineering or or something, hmm. thinking I was going to do something there that would suit me, and it was horrible, <laughs> and I I soon dropped. And then I went into the English department because I I used to really enjoy creative writing. Um, I thought, well, maybe I can get into that. No, it just wasn't my shtick. So Mm -hmm. uh, I ended up bouncing over to the art department and I tried graphic design. So Everybody says, oh, you can make a living with graphic design. (laughs) I'm like, oh, This is the only
1: way to make money off of
2: art. Got to make a living here. So, um, and I tried that and it was okay. Um, It just wasn't as... Immediately, uh, the creation in graphic design for me wasn't as immediately gratifying as putting paint or charcoal, excuse me, or anything down mm. and being able to manipulate it.
1: Just the physical aspect of it. it yeah, truly.
2: So uh, I ended up, uh, one of my professors said, why, don't, why, why are you in graphic design? Why don't you go into fine arts? okay, whatever. <laughs> so here we are. And, and from there on, I, I, started painting more. Cause you know, when you go to school, you're, you're kind of forced to paint more. You're, you're um, of course I'd, I'd done it off and on in my basement or, or whatever house I was in or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I was, it was not like I was coming uh, back into the like university system with like no experience in art. It, uh, I'd, tinkered with it for years, you know, but, um, yeah. So it basically kind of was the cattle prod I needed to start working more. And then, you know, you get done with college and you're like, Oh, what am I going to do? i got to, you know, I figure out how to use this degree. And, um, it's been a lot of highs and lows since then. I won't lie. Um, sure. You, uh, you learned how to, to self-discipline. Um, Some do. Some people do. (laughs) Uh, And, you know, you you fail and you get back up and you Mm -hmm. dust yourself off and you you go at it again. And uh, I think that's the important thing. Um, There's uh, an artist told me this. They said, you're going to expect the highest highs and the lowest lows when you start doing art professionally. Um, Wow. And he was not incorrect um and depending on your personality type, that looks like a lot of things um, sure. so um, I would say for anybody <laughs> that wants to uh, get into art just to expect that it's it can be uh, an adventure, say the least so
1: yeah um, well you're leaving behind the stability of... Yeah, you're just leaving behind stability. <laughs> you truly are. There's,
2: and when you leave behind stability, you you're uh, faced with lots of unforeseen things, you know. So
1: yeah. Um, so when you were, um, you know, in the in in that time in college, like where you said that was a cattle prod you needed. Do you do you feel like it was the school itself and the art department at school that was cattle prod, or do you feel like it was like that person that said, "Hey, you should make art." Yeah, I
2: think I was influenced uh, positively by a lot of people uh, in, you know, in the art department. Um,
1: I asked that the question, most, you know, I think there's, there's probably a lot of young people out there that are fairly creative and they're wondering, like, do I need to go to school for this? You know, should I should I go to should I go to art school or should I get involved in the art department at my my local college? Like, um, is that, you know,
2: I think it's so case by case. And honestly, for most people, I would say no. Hmm because it's it's all what you put in it. Yeah. And if you think it's just something that you're going to learn just with just like like if you look at art and you say okay, I want to be a painter and you think making a good painting is just simply going and learning how to make a good painting, you're going to fail. <laughs> right. You need to be bringing something with it. Art is it's all what you're bringing to the table and mm. what you're willing to put into it if you're not if you if you think it's all going to be solved by a class or uh,
1: so it's just like moving like if you think that moving to a new city is going to fix it
2: yeah exactly right you have to have you have to have a concept in mind you have to be ready um, to work hard too you know and there's
1: oh so honestly hard. there's a lot
2: of you know as a non-trad going back there was a lot of young people i was around and i saw, i saw it over and over people not really doing the work, and I don't know if that that people are just a product of, our, of their environment, or if it's the, the day and age that we live in, or comfort level, or what, but uh, what's the point <laughs> if you're not going to do the work, you know? Yeah. And honestly, and that's why I say, for most people, no, because there's a lot of people out there that can do the work and not even need to go to school.
1: Yeah.
2: We live in the age of the internet.
1: Well, and that's... <laughs> I don't know. When I, when I give advice now, like I I was talking to somebody about photography the other day, Mm -hmm. you know, and they're deliberating. Should I go to college? Should I not? They're young and they're figuring it out. They're very talented. Um, and I said, honestly, I said, go, but go take business courses. That's right. (laughs) Because you're going to teach yourself the photography. You love it enough and you're good enough at it. You can teach yourself. Yep. You're not going to teach yourself the business stuff because You're going to hate that part, and so that's what that's where you should probably go take a class mm-hmm. where someone is forcing the information into you because that might be the only way you get it, you know.
2: And schools are good for ba- uh really good at uh, teaching just basic fundamentals that maybe you weren't uh privy to otherwise,
1: yeah, absolutely.
2: Know? Um, so yeah.
1: yeah, but I mean, I did the same thing as you, I was like, Yeah, I'll try this, I'll try this, I'll try this <laughs> while I was in college, mm-hmm. you know, and then like in the last halfway through the last semester, it's like, Oh. Maybe photography. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm graduating. So. Yeah.
2: Well, I'm still trying this and trying this and trying this. I, yeah. I, it's part of my nature. I, but now
1: you realize, like, oh, wait, that's the fun part. You know, like, it doesn't yeah. mean... I mean, it doesn't help the stability part. Oh. <laughs> well, it's a... Uh, but it's a... Uh,
2: I was telling a friend earlier today, uh, I I am not good at repetitive... Um. Creative tasks. Mm. A painting I can make, um, and it won't be good if I'm forcing myself to do it. Yeah. If it. Omit the
1: sirens. <laughs> <laughs> Here you go, Jeremiah. Your first edit point. When I was recording with Luke, I just said Jeremiah's name like 50 times throughout it. It became like a joke, like, <laughs> I didn't actually want him to edit it out. I was just like, edit this out, Jeremiah. It's like, it's like when people ask me to Photoshop something. Like, yeah, you can just Photoshop that out. It's no big deal. <laughs> yeah, sure I will. <laughs> I'm going to add extra rolls. Um, so, yeah,
2: I'm not good at repetitive tasks when it comes to creating. I, I, can, I can make a painting, and it won't be good um, if I'm just making myself go through the motions. Mm. Um, if it's if it's an idea that I have that I'm really excited about, I will have a lot of fun making that thing. I will really work hard at it, and I'll I'll, I'll just be in kind of my life will be kind of encapsulated by that piece that I'm working on.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, but if I'm not, and I'm not in a spot that I have that, it's better for me to go do something else. Mm. Um, it's almost like a recharge. Um, so (laughs) I, I, I used to think of it as a distraction or being distracted by things. And I really think that was the wrong way of thinking. Um, Mm. some people will disagree with me, but, um, it can be a distraction for people that are like that if that's not, if that's their personality type.
1: Right. Um, Yeah, no, I, I get what you're saying, like there's, I don't know, I find more as time goes on, like I'll wear my mind out quickly, like I'll focus really hard, you know, on something creative and then it's like, I need to take a nap, <laughs> <laughs> like, if I keep trying to create at this point, but it, it you know, or I, I need to play a video game or I need to go mow the lawn. Yeah. And it, it becomes like, um you become better at scheduling yourself according to how your mind works, I think, after you've been at it for a long time. Yeah. You get where like um you're not beating yourself up as much over uh the ways that you function. So because I think that's what we do as artists, we tend to be like, you know, oh, I didn't get up early, you know. I didn't And the problem isn't that you didn't get up early. The the problem is that you didn't put in the work you're supposed to put in. You know, so you get to a point where it's like, I don't work well early. So I'm going to stay up, you know, but I got the, I got the work in, yeah. you know, and same way with like, yeah, I took, I have a buddy that's a videographer and he talks about, you know, it's like, I'll stay up late, but like, I'll take, uh, you know, a break in the middle of the afternoon and play video games for an hour, you know, like I need that. Like, like you said, it recharges me and gets my head out of that space. Sure. So you just start figuring out like, oh, this is how I work best. You know, Mm -hmm. um, my wife and I are both creative. She is not a morning person. And so, like creating in the morning would be awful for her, um, and then I'm falling asleep at nine o'clock at night. And she's raring to go, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, and I'm, you know, seven a.m. Like I could not be more creatively charged than at seven a.m., you know. Right. On. So, you know, we both just learned like this is this is when we work best. Yeah. So I remember talking with a a buddy about that that. He was, you know, kind of frustrated with himself because he was like sleeping in every day. Gosh, I should get up early. Then I find out like he's doing his best songwriting at like two in the morning. Sure, yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, buddy, you put in the time. Like it's just a yeah. different. You know, you just restructured
2: it. I'm thinking he's probably younger than you and I.
1: That's true. Mm-hmm. That's I used to be like that. <laughs> Sadly, very true. <laughs> I, don't, <laughs> I, know,
2: I don't pull as many late nighters as I, I I used to, unless I absolutely have to. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I, I do a lot of uh, different creative things. I mean, personal projects. I, I always stay busy. I'm never, I'm usually very, I, I, I'm rarely sentient, hmm.
1: <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah. So, so what, are, what are some things that inspire you? Oh, gosh. A very um, original question yeah um, <laughs> but you've never been asked that before uh, hmm, uh, <laughs> uh
2: i don't know i t- i try and pay attention to um sort of the zeitgeist and the big word uh <laughs> overused <laughs> cliche word uh, i, I oh, try that sounds I, like an artisty word I, I try and pay attention to the to the uh, sentiment of 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 the times i, I try and pay attention to I try and pay attention to the aesthetic of the times, really, because I think it speaks hmm. a lot to us uh, into our lives. Uh, it's it's mirroring um, who we are.
1: That's interesting.
2: And uh, a friend of mine today was speaking of uh, um, something in the field he's in. He said, "When somebody's, when everybody is going one direction, and this is this applies to you. He's a photographer," said. When everyone is 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 going one way with their work, go mm-hmm. the other way. Mm-hmm. But I thought about that. I said, "Well, that means you have to be paying attention to where everyone's going." You know, that's. <laughs> that's, um, huh, that's I think I think we can draw a lot of inspiration from that. Yeah, and and then we we put that through our own brains, our own creative faculties, and what spits out on the other side. That's that's what we we get to work with.
1: It's a whole. Uh gentle as a dove, wise as a serpent thing, like, well, um, I mean, that's an aspect of it, but like, I'm losing my thought. Uh, I'm saying to stay fresh. To edit out my space out, Jeremiah. What's that? said so edit out my space out moment, Jeremiah. Oh, or I quoted a Bible verse and it didn't play.
2: <laughs> I wasn't quite understanding that one <laughs> in, in, the, in the frame.
1: Well, it made sense in my head for a second and then I like couldn't tie it back in. But uh, I guess I just meant when I was quoting that, um, was was thinking of how like we're meant to, you know, as creatives, we're always probably going against the culture a little bit for the most part and um, we're we're trying at the very least we're trying to bring something new to the culture, but like some people think that means ignoring the culture, you know. Some people think that it means like I'm going to completely tune it out or I'm going to completely isolate myself. Um, and so the whole wise is a serpent thing is like no, I know what's going on, I know what you're doing, I know yeah. what's happening, I'm paying attention, I'm not stupid. But then gentle as a dove is like doesn't that doesn't mean I'm like you know, trying to start a revolution or trying to fight you. Um, I'm just trying to bring something new, you know, I'm trying to, um, and I'm, you know, I'm doing it in my own gentle way. Absolutely. With complete awareness of like what it is
2: that's already happening. In regards to that, I think too many, um, artists, uh, are trying to, um, I think too many artists feel embattled, or like they're, or like they're, they're needing to uh, be proactive with some sort of changing voice. Mm-hmm. And when they do that, they really limit the scope of what they're able to create. Does that make sense? I think that when you isolate your work to being in about one thing so much that you're, you're really limiting yourself.
3: Hmm.
1: What are some examples of that? And it comes
2: off as trite.
1: Yeah, like overstating or mm-hmm. repeating yourself.
2: Or just another reiteration of what somebody else said or did or, s- or painted or wrote about or
1: sang about. Yeah, well, and that's something I notice a lot right now is like someone will create something that is that it's saying something meaningful. Mm-hmm. And it's saying something that's true. But then when you step back and look at the culture, it's like, oh, but, like, everyone is saying that right now. You know, like. It's true. You're just contributing to this enormous wave.
2: And we all get caught up in it.
1: You know, and it's like, it's true, and it needs said, but, you know, we're also supposed to be saying something new, I think, a lot of the time, or, or bringing back the old. Not necessarily
2: new. I don't think we're all supposed to say something brand new. I think that we're supposed to say something with our own voice. There you go. And, uh, Much better
1: put than what I said. Well, it's true. I, I
2: I think too many people speak with someone else's voice.
1: That's a really good way to put it. So, like, talking to other artists, like, how, how do you find your own voice, truly? You know, what was your process for that, and is your ongoing process for that?
2: You're asking me that? Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. (laughs) Dang
1: it. Um. That, you know, because it's that balance of, like, you want to take in a lot of voices. You know, I think that's important to get in. And a lot of old stuff, you know, like looking at what's happening in the culture now and then going back to, like, what were generations past going through and where did this movement here start and all these things. But, like, you emerge with all that, with all of this information, old and new, and where do you find your voice?
2: Well, yeah, I think you hit it a little bit. you got to be constantly learning. You have to be constantly be <coughs> expanding your own personal horizon and learning about the things that are intriguing to you. Mm. And those will be reflective in what you put out. Um, and, yeah, look at the past. See, when, <laughs> see what's already been done. See what people have already talked about. And then recognize the fact that you're a little blip. <laughs> in this entire chronolo- chron- chronological timeline
1: uh-huh. um you know well that's yeah and uh, then don't take yourself so seriously because of it right yeah definitely i think that's that's a big problem you know for a lot of people my friend lance talks about this a lot like anything you tell him about it's just it's almost like a, a running joke but we like Oh, well, have you heard about this? Or did you read that? And he'd be like, Yeah, they did that two hundred years ago over here. Wow. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, he's always like, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna track with this person for a little while. I'm gonna figure out like, where who did they learn from? I'm gonna figure out who did they learn from, you mm-hmm. know, and trace it all the way back until you can be like, Oh, we've already done this before, you know.
2: Yeah, nothing and new under so, the sun, right?
1: right. And then yeah. when you realize that, you know, one, you can start seeing where things are going if you are paying attention to what's happening now. Yeah. And two, like you said, you can stop taking yourself so seriously. It's like all these things that feel, you know, so now and relevant to you, like we've already done this.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think that we definitely take, take things too seriously. Sometimes now, I, I definitely think you have to be true to yourself and what you believe and you have to know what you believe. Yeah. You know, um, I think enough, a, a lot of people don't know what they believe anymore. Mm. or they question
1: what they believe. Um, you think that leads to weaker art? Pardon me? You think that leads to weaker art? Not knowing yourself? Or do you feel like it oh, yeah. could be something that helps lead you to yourself a little bit?
2: I think it can be both. I think it is both. Mm. Um, what, what, what are you going to create that's unique if you don't know what you believe in? <laughs> That's fair. You're going to create what somebody else believes in.
1: Uh.
2: Um, even if what you believe turns out later to be wrong and then you learn better, mm-hmm. at least you're moving forward.
1: It's true. Yeah. It reminded me of, I was talking to a buddy earlier and he said, I'm going to butcher his quote, but uh, he's talking to a business school uh, in Albania. It's pretty cool. But he was saying to them, like, no, you know, you need to know who you are and you need to know what you believe because everything is for sale. And if you don't know who you are, then so are you.
2: That's fact. That's very true.
1: Which is where I think you could tie that into the art world, the whole like sellout thing we have this like debate about who is a sellout and is that person selling out by doing this? And it, I think it comes down to like, do you actually know who you are? Because if you know who you are and you're like, no, I believe this and I am this and yeah, I'm going to make this advertisement with my art and I'm supporting my family and there's nothing wrong with that over here, you know? And then you have somebody else that uh, is totally selling out. <laughs> if you look at the, the phrase differently, I think
2: it's a juvenile argument personally.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, yeah It's not
2: necessarily about selling out. We live in the world we live in, and
1: yeah, but yeah, and I, I think you're right. I think the phrase um, I think the phrase is debated probably when people don't know who they are, yeah you know, because then they like, am I selling out, and it's like, if you know who you are, you're not I hear asking that. I hear
2: less and less of that actually these days, uh, maybe it's a generation below us. Um, you know, the, what is it, Generation Z or...
1: Generation...
2: I don't know what the generation below us is. <laughs> X. But. 9. Yeah, you know, 9.2. B. <laughs> um, Red. But I, I, think, I, I think the generation below us is so much more consumeristic. Yes. Than everybody already was. Um, so much more social media, internet-driven. Um. I don't think anybody has a problem with selling out <laughs> <laughs> at, these, at this point. That's, that's I mean, to. when you have a thousand s- selfies being uploaded every millisecond, you know...
1: Is that an actual stat? Uh, We're going to say it
2: is. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I just made it up. But, uh, it's probably true. Probably more than that, you know.
1: Probably. Um, Conservative estimate. So, yeah. Mm. So... What are you working on now?
2: Um. Well, typically I have at least one painting in the works. Right now I have a painting in the works. <laughs> uh, I poured twelve hundred pounds of concrete by hand last night. Holy crap! Yeah. See. See, I do these different things to kind of <laughs> keep me going. I, oh my gosh! I poured a monolithic structure.
1: Are uh, you serious? How much does that concrete, much concrete even cost? What's that? So how much does that much, how does, <laughs> how much does that much concrete cost? It's a tongue twister. <laughs> uh, Barely. That was about a hundred bucks. Okay.
2: But, you know, it's a creative endeavor. Mm-hmm. I, I also have a history in concrete. I was I was doing decorative concrete for a while when I was first married and um, I, I really love it. I love <laughs> I love the material and I've been thinking a lot about um, seeing how I can utilize that in more artistic, expressive ways. Mm. Um, That's fun, man. As an aside to painting.
1: (laughs) Yeah. 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 I think there's, I don't know, I think most of the prolific artists that we think of, you know, whether it's musicians or painters or whoever, We're doing that probably. We're doing all kinds of things and we just happen to know about one of them. You know, you look at people like uh, I was at the bookstore one day and I picked up a book by David Byrne. Oh, yeah. (laughs) uh, From Talking Heads. And it's this book he did. It's full of like these weird like thought sketches and like diagrams. Like, man, this guy's really interesting. You know, like, sure, everybody knows, you know this is weird 80s music but he did all these other things you know and you look at guys like that or david bowie or you know mm-hmm. and you look at people like picasso or you know and they're doing all these other things and all like all that other stuff just kind of gets lost over time it's like oh yeah he painted the weird things you know yeah sure <laughs> it's like that's all we remember but it's like he did all this other stuff you know And yeah. I, you wonder how much i don't know probably wouldn't have been nearly as prolific or nearly as good if they'd just taken that one thing and like only done that. Like they would have gotten bored.
2: I I think so. Um, I'm actually really envious of painters that could just do nothing but paint. <laughs> and then they they exist and that's all they do. And they just hmm. one after another, uh, another, they just keep pumping them out. And I'm like, okay, well I'm going to keep painting too. <laughs> I'm just, I, I need these little psych- cyclical breaks. Mm-hmm. Um, Yeah. Like it or not, that's I can't help it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think that's cool.
2: But uh, I, take, I always come back to it, so.
1: Well, you have to play. You do. You know, and when you when you lose the feeling of play, I think the work gets, starts to fall apart. Yeah. You know, and it doesn't mean you always, always have to feel like you're playing, you know, because sometimes there's just such a seriousness to it, there's that, but like. You definitely need to keep, you know, keep that in your life at least. Um, and I found, you know, I've started adding on more things. I'm like, oh, I didn't know I could do that, or maybe I, I can't, but it's fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> maybe yeah. I'm really terrible at podcasting, but I, it's kind of fun. <laughs> you know. Doing a fine job. Well, thank you, sir. Fine job. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone else is like that liar. Uh Yeah, so all all this reminded me of, um, for those people that are Joplin residents who have no idea who Taylor Kubitschek is, if you drive past the old downtown Y off of, uh, what is it, Fifth and Wall? Sounds right. Yeah, right in there. Uh, There's a giant wall with blue sky and pencils going through paper airplanes.
2: Completely non-indicative of anything else I've ever done. <laughs> Which is just, uh, it's just there.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, like, what made you do that? It's been up there a few years now. It just, I remember it just popped up, and you're like, yeah, I'm just doing this thing. You know, like.
2: That's a complicated answer. <laughs> fair enough, fair um,
1: enough.
2: I was involved in a, in a group, um, a local arts group, and we were doing um, murals around town, um, and uh, I decided to branch off, and I did my own. Oh, okay. Long story short.
1: Sure. So, uh, yeah. But that's, I guess just talking to, like, the, the guts to, nothing, you know, not talking about the group at all, but just you doing that. Like, most people, like, when they start thinking about something like that, like, First of all, most people can't think about something like that. Like, I can't fill a wall by myself. Like, that's <laughs> it's too big or it's, you know, it's too scary or whatever. And you're just like, no, I'm just going to go do that. I'm just going to go paint that enormous wall. Yeah. You yeah. know, like, what what did that process look like? And what made you think, like, yeah, I could do that, you know? Um. Well, sometimes
2: you just need to prove yourself that you can do things. And I remember I went over to that business. It was a law office. And I, I met with the the partner. One of the partners, and I said, hey, how would you like a mural inside your building? He said, oh, okay, well, maybe. Give us an idea of what you got, and uh, we'll talk about it. And (laughs) so I went right home, and I drew it out, and then I came back the next day, and I showed him what I wanted to do. I just came up with something (laughs) that (laughs) night, and they're like, oh, yeah, we like it. And then I did it. Just that simple. It was that simple. I just walked into a building. I saw a wall that would work. I went in, then I made the design, and then I started painting it the next day, (laughs) and I was done by myself in three weeks.
1: (laughs) Golly. So this is, I mean, obviously that was a lot of work, Uh, and obviously it required the skill to be able to do it, because I couldn't go paint a wall by myself, pretty sure. I could take a picture of that wall, but like what, you know, like what would you say to people that are like, I couldn't do something like that, you know, like, are people overthinking things? People...
2: Always overthink things, and one thing that really bothers me about the culture we live in, Mark, is so many people don't know how to do things, and there's no excuse for it. They just don't try.
1: I feel personally attacked. Right I now. mean, honestly, I, I left a I big don't know portion how to change out. my own oil. What's I know that, that you do. So what did you I, say? I don't know how to change my own oil.
2: Well, most people don't, because cars are made all weird now. But oh, okay. I'm off I don't know. Over. Maybe I made that up too. But um. My point is, though, is like, okay, so I left a big portion out. Let me backtrack. Uh, I was actually a maintenance man for a number of years in Kansas oh. um, for a nursing home. And oh, wow. every time a resident would move in or out, I'd paint their room whatever color they wanted.
1: It was really great. That's
2: super fun. And like, I got really handy with paintbrush. It's just going to
1: make an old person's life a little happier by making sure their room is the color they Best want. Best job ever, man. That's awesome. Like, yeah, really
2: great job. So... I got really handy with a paintbrush. Because, <laughs> uh, you know, I'd be painting, you know, a whole room, like, in a day, and double room, you know. I got good at cutting in and all that stuff in a roll. Yeah. Off. So, I definitely think that's applicable to painting murals on walls. I think that's even applicable to painting uh, oil paintings. Mm. Um, it just, just all motion memory, muscle memory.
1: Um, sure, just getting comfortable with the tool. Yeah.
2: And, and I think that's really important with anything it's why like we should always branch out and trying to learn new things yeah and i the, the the best thing about the era that we live in in my opinion and the worst thing now you know what i'm gonna say is the internet mm-hmm. it's we have all this knowledge at our fingertips and if for anybody who's curious about learning new things or, or
1: trying new things it's right
2: there you don't have to go through the card catalog anymore at the Joplin Public Library. You just, <laughs> like, get on your cell phone. Yeah,
1: no, I remember the hours I spent in, like, Books a Million with their tiny photography section. You know, like, that was my... <laughs> I'm so That respons- was my knowledge.
2: I'm responsible for going to Books a Million to this day and, like, finding a book and then, like, taking pictures of the pages. <laughs>
1: <laughs> just picturing that, like, doing that with a film camera before <laughs> digital, just, like... Yeah. Having this like thick catalog of <laughs> printed photos. Well, it's like, oh, I
2: need to like figure this thing out. And I'll like, go and find this and like, oh, that's a good that's really smart. And I'll like take a picture of it and I can zoom in
1: like later. On. <laughs> Re- recommend a book like. Oh yeah, do you have it? Can I borrow it? Like, well, yeah. yes and no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. Like there's no if you don't want to learn the thing, it's fine. But there's never an excuse to say like, "Well, I don't know how to do that." It's like, yeah, but you could. Yeah. You know? And I do it all the time. I get intimidated by something, and mm-hmm. I always have a buddy. It's like, just YouTube it, man. I'm like, that's too. <laughs> You're right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, you know, and they come over and they do it for me, and then I'm like, man, how did you learn how to do this? And I'm like, I just YouTubed it. I'm like, damn it. <laughs> that's right.
2: And if you don't try, you don't learn.
1: Yeah, but and the the being comfortable with your tools thing too. I mean, that's really interesting. You know, you helped lead yourself up to the point of, yeah, I can paint an artistic mural on a wall because you were just wielding a paintbrush, painting people's blank walls in a retirement home all the time. But like that made you that much more comfortable and put you that much closer. Definitely. Obviously you had to fill in the rest of it with like artistic thought and learning and, you know, practice and all that. But but that's,
2: that's, that's waiting for you in those jobs too, though, hmm. because you're thinking, how many more walls am I gonna paint before I can paint something better? <laughs> <laughs> Any jobs like that, you know? I, boredom, I,
1: boredom can be really good.
2: Oh yeah, I, I was, I worked a lot of trades jobs, you know, and mm-hmm. working construction, and like.
1: Well, and that's that's a big. Chunk I remember of our generation. Work, we don't know how to be bored anymore.
2: I remember doing general construction work and being like, "This is interesting," but I. I, I need to be more artistic with my work and mm-hmm. this isn't affording me that and eventually it builds and builds and builds to where you have to, you know, make the jump. Mm-hmm. So Yeah. It's okay to be uncomfortable.
1: Mm. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're not we're not good at that. <laughs> no, we're not. Hmm. Well, as far as um your existence right now right here in Joplin uh you're painting being part of the artistic community here um you know where do where do you feel like Joplin is heading what are you you're observing the social patterns all the time and you're you're seeing where culture is going and you've been here a very long time um you know what what do you feel like is happening in Joplin right now
2: well, artistically, I don't think it could be more positive than it is right now. Mm. Um uh, as far as mm. the fine arts go. Um
1: That's I, cool to hear from somebody. Well, I just you know, I
2: just see a lot of change happening around me. I see people investing in the arts. I see uh I see them labeling downtown as the arts district now. I mm-hmm. mean, that's sort of unprecedented if you think about it. Yeah. Um, I think that you have people wanting more of that culture. Um, I think a lot of it's being influenced by Northwest Arkansas right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of people are seeing how much they're investing in their their culture down there. And uh, they're saying, well, why can't we have that here? Um,
1: right, because it's only an you'll hour away. You'll,
2: you'll always have the naysayers. Yeah. Um, Joplin's always had naysayers.
1: <laughs> I feel like either they're going away or they're quieter, though. Well Or maybe I'm just not paying attention to them, I don't know.
2: It doesn't matter. Either yeah. way, they don't matter. Um
1: I mean, you know, it's people and souls and so I mean they matter, but.
2: That that sort of attitude is becomes infectious. Mm-hmm. And uh whether they like it or not, things are changing here. And, you know, when I was younger, uh, there wasn't much of an outlet for artistic kids or, or youth. And that's completely changed now. Oh, yeah. And just in the last 10 years, I mean, I mean the last five, five years. Five years, yeah. Man. Like, it's been there's huge. just so much happening. So, I don't know. I have I have a lot of hope for it.
1: That's cool. Uh, me too. There's. <laughs> There's, yeah, there's so many things that are starting and I feel, um, just end this with a big product placement for Joplin, but (laughs) I feel like the attitude is shifting, you know, and that's partly like where this came from, where the toad came from is, you know, an interesting like partially grew out of wanting to respond to those naysayers. Yeah, You know, like, ah, Joplin sucks. I gotta get out of here. But I feel like by the time we got around to it, like, I'm already not hearing them as much. Like, there's a movement that's a bigger movement that's starting to, like, you know what? No. Like, either we, you know, we shut up or we get out or we make it better. You know, we invest in it. We appreciate the good things that are here. We recognize we have good people, you know, and everybody's, like, working a little bit harder and sounding a little bit brighter about the city. Hmm.
2: Yeah. Let the negativity be a uh, a force for positive change. Right. Um.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Man, it's a good good place to end. I think. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else you want to add, my friend? Nope. Okay. Well, it has been a pleasure having you on this humid uh, downtown day.
2: Thanks for talking with me.
1: Absolutely. Always a pleasure. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Taylor Kubitschek. If you are listening to this all the way through, hop online, look up his work. Um, amazing paintings. All right. Until next time.
0: We sure hope you enjoyed this episode of the Joplin Toad cast, which accompanies our Joplin Toad second issue release. If you'd like to see more of Taylor's work, you can look at the accompanying photo gallery on thejoplintoad.com. Music was provided by Me Like Bees, who can be found on Spotify or at MeLikeBees.com. Intro and outro by me, Jerell Jackson. An interview conducted by Mark Nineswander with sound engineer Jeremiah Jones. And of course, you can follow Taylor on Instagram, where he goes by at Taylor Art, It's spelled at T-A-Y-L-O-R-K-U-B-I-C-E-K-A-R-T. You can also follow the Toad across social media, including Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Spotify by typing in at the Joplin Toad. Later Toads.